Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Revelation. The New Testament book of Revelation in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter number 13. The book of Revelation in chapter number 13. We're in a Sunday school series right now dealing with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the King is coming. And what we've been doing is these are a series of messages that Dr. Lee Robertson preached 75 years ago, and we're just overviewing them now and taking these principles and learning. And we've been seeing bit by bit uh, these things all dealing and surrounding the events of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Last time we met together in Sunday school, we met and spoke about the Antichrist. And we spoke about that the Antichrist is referred to as a person, but it is also referred to as a spirit. The word anti doesn't mean replacing as much as it does <laughs> the I are against as much as it has the idea of replacing. And as we live in a spirit of antichrist, we live in a spirit where people try to give a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. When we now study today the person of the antichrist a little bit more specifically and some of the things that he is doing, we're going to see that's exactly what he is trying to do is he's trying to replace the God of the Bible, Christ of the Bible, with his own ideas and his own plans. With that in mind, turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 13. The book of Revelation chapter 13, and notice with me in verse 1. Revelation 13 and verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and seven horns, and the, upon his horns seven or ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were like as a feet of a bear, and his mouth was as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and to them that dwell in heaven." And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him for over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names were not written in the book of life of the Lamb, 
was slain from the foundation of the world. And if any man have an ear, let him hear. And he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. And he that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercised all power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwelleth on the earth by the means of the miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they shall make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast and the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed and he causeth all both great and small rich and poor free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads and that no man might buy or sell save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for this is the number of a man, and his number was six hundred threescore and six. And with this, we're going to study a little bit more what is often called the unholy trinity, dealing with the mark of the beast and the work of the unholy trinity. Now, remember that Satan is always a good imitator. He is the one of counterfeits. He is limited in his power, but he loves to imitate God's power. He loves to try to imitate that he does have the power. By the way, Satan does have great power, more than what we have. But he is not equal to God in power. He is very limited on what he can do compared to who Christ is. As dealing with this idea of the tribulation to catch you back up, the next event on God's calendar is the rapture. During the rapture, we are all called away. Uh, those people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior were all called away. After that comes a period of time called the tribulation. It is a period of seven years, and it's clearly marked throughout the Bible, both old and new, that this is a period of seven years. In this seven-year period, God is not dealing with the... the um, Christians or the church, he is primarily dealing with the Hebrew people to bring the Hebrew people back to himself. Now, during this time, as God brings the Hebrew people back to himself, there are going to be many Gentiles saved throughout the world as these Hebrew people get saved and then they turn around and become great evangelists going and preaching the gospel to every nation, every kindred, every tribe, going everywhere they possibly can. Now, during this time, Immediately after the rapture, there is going to be a lot of confusion. If you can imagine, millions of people just disappear, gone. And there has to be an explanation, and they can't go with the Bible explanation. The news sources are not going to say, well, according to the Bible, the rapture happened. Everyone that's left behind are the people who have not accepted the Bible. So they got to come up with a different answer. My personal opinion is that aliens are going to be blamed, that aliens came, made the millions of people disappeared, and there's going to be a great panic. We know that people are going to be uh, button happy. It is my personal opinion that immediately after the rapture, America is destroyed when people start pushing buttons and America is wiped off the map. 
But <laughs> that is my opinion, but it is not hard to imagine that things like that are going to happen. It's going to be a great time of war. It's going to be a great time of confusion. And it's going to take a little bit for the dust to settle. As the dust settles, the Bible speaks about there's going to be a man from Europe who rises up to power who's going to seem as the savior of the world. He's going to be considered a great man of peace because he's going to come up with these great ideas. For example, again, I'm speculating, but just uh, showing what he can do. Hey, homeless problem solved. Look at all these houses that are now empty. Let's occupy them with other people. Hey, transportation problem. Let's go ahead and uh, solve our transportation problem. Look at all these cars that have now been abandoned. Hey, we have a job problem. Guess what? Millions of people have left their jobs. Look, there's jobs to be filled. He's going to look like a master problem solver as he organizes his efforts. In addition, he's going to come up with a plan. Now, <laughs> the plan is true, but how it's carried out. If we use the idea of aliens or whatever else, he's going to come up with this idea. Listen, all these people disappeared. And we've got to find some way that if it happens again, to track you. And so we're asking as a volunteer basis, and it's going to start off as a volunteer basis, that you go ahead and take this microchip and we'll be able to track you no matter where you go. By the way, it has all of your information on it, your name, address, social security number, bank account number. And by the way, you, all you have to do is take this and rub it across a scanner and it takes it automatically out of your account. Now, by the way, 75 years ago, when Pastor Lee Robertson preached this, this was very much science fiction. Today, very much science fact. In Wisconsin, we had the first company to authorize all of their employees to have this chip in their hands. And they used this so they could walk through secure doors. It just opens up for them because it reads the chip. This chip is available that rich girls in Florida who don't who want to go partying but don't want to carry a clutch or a purse, they have those chips in their hands so that way they could go clubbing and go ahead and take it out of their account. This is already in effect. People already have it. It's already there. And so we're not inventing a new technology. We already have a technology that's already available. So it's not hard for someone to imagine someone to adopt that. And to say, this is a good idea. By the way, if we were to go outside of biblical thought, isn't a cashless society sort of a decent idea? I mean, I don't have to worry about money no more. You say, I don't believe in cashless society. Yeah, how many use our app to give money? Yeah. You understand, very few people give checks anymore. Most kids aren't even taught how to write a check anymore. We, we're going to more and more of a cashless society and it is a practical idea. We do a lot of online banking. Yeah. I, we do a lot of stuff online because it's more convenient. I saw a little cartoon today of someone going to a movie theater and they're, I'm sorry, they said, sorry, you can't get a ticket here. You have to go home, set up an account, uh, purchase your tickets here, and then show us the online tickets on your phone. It's getting to the place where that's happening, yeah. where you can't, you have to do everything online. Uh, Lambeau Field is totally cashless. Yeah. You, you can't bring cash and buy a hot dog there anymore. Uh, and so we already know that th the world's going that way. And just a pure world thing, it's, it's a practical idea. They've been talking about getting rid of pennies forever. We like pennies, but, you know, <laughs> we're, we're moving to that idea. That's just how the world is. The Bible is just saying that's what's going to happen. We're just observing it. So they're going to come up with this plan and it's going to come up with a great plan. By the way, 
We've already seen in the last three years what happens when a society gets scared what they could be talked into doing. And are there going to be a lot of people scared and they don't have the hope of God to depend upon? And they're going to be looking for answers? And a scared society will be talked into doing lots of things that they may not normally do. Well, when millions of people disappeared, there's a big frightening experience worldwide. And don't you think the world is going to give coverage and really put a lot of emphasis on that fear? Absolutely. It doesn't take much for the news to pump fear in right now. I mean, because that's ratings. People want to see what's going to happen. Oh, no. Um, It's just the world it is. So we're just catching up to where our modern technology is. And the Bible says this is already going to happen. So what goes on? As we come up here, we know that the tribulation is going to be a time where God is pouring out his wrath. The Antichrist is going to appear as a great man of peace. He is going to set up a peace agreement with the Hebrew people to rebuild their temple. Three and a half years into this, everything changes. And with this, we're going to go ahead and study a little bit more of uh, Revelation chapter 13 and see here. And what I want to introduce you to is that remember that Satan is a great imitator and that we know that we serve what is called a triune God. We don't have three gods. We have one God with three aspects, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. All three of them are the same God, just three aspects. We know that God is God. He is (laughs) the father. We have a hard time relating to him because he is God. Then Jesus is God robed in flesh. And then the Holy Spirit is the the one that works in the world. Well, Satan is going to set up his own unholy trinity. And each one of them is to mimic and imitate what God is. You're going to have what is referred to as the dragon. That's Satan himself, the great force and the great power. He is the dragon. Then you're going to have the beast who is going to start off as a man, the antichrist. And we're going to speak about what happens to him later, but give you a preview. He's going to be Satan robed in flesh, the great imitator. Then you're going to have the false prophet who is going to be in control of the worldwide religion whose purpose is to exalt the Antichrist, Satan robed in flesh, which is the Holy Spirit's job is to point to Christ, to elevate who Christ is. You see, Satan is a great imitator. And during this period, he is going to set this up to try to imitate and overrule the worship of God the Father. Let's walk through uh, Revelation 13 really quick. We start off with the dragon. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. We'll get to the beast in a second. Having seven heads and seven horns and upon his horns seven crowns and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast that I saw was like to a leopard and his feet were like of a bear and his mouth was of the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, that's Satan, gave him his power, his seat and his authority. Now may I pause? Satan is explained a little bit more in chapter number 12. We've had a whole lecture on that previously. But the dragon has already been introduced quite uh, powerful. Notice with me in verse 4. And they that worship the dragon which gave power to the beast and they that worship the beast said who was able to the beast. So we start off with the dragon that is Satan. He's clearly identified as Satan in Revelation chapter number 12 very clearly. 
We know that the devil is God's enemy. We know that the devil is every Christian's enemy. Devil is the enemy of all righteousness and is the author of sin, of death, and suffering. Satan hates God and he wants to do everything he can to get people to stop worshiping God. Now, with this in mind, as a history lesson, what was Satan created to do? God created Satan. Did God create Satan to be this bad, evil person? God created Satan as an angel. And his job was to be the head choir director of all of heaven. Even Satan's body was created as a musical instrument. His job was to direct all the glory and praise that is received and direct it to God. But after a while, he said, I'm doing all the work. Look at how great I am. Everyone should be acknowledging me and not God. And when that happened and the job was not available, he got kicked out of his job. There could only be one God. And Satan's been mad ever since, and he's never lost his goal of trying to take over God. He wants to be God. Uh, You go to Isaiah and you'll see the seven I wills of Satan. I will, I will, I will, I will. All talking about I will be the most high. I will overthrow God. I will sit in the mountain of the high. He speaks over and over, I will be God. Well, the tribulation is Satan's last attempt to try to be God. And this is his plan. So what he's going to do is that he's going to bring in the beast. Now the Antichrist, the person, already has been revealed. The Antichrist starts off as a real human person. But after the two witnesses in Jerusalem are killed and the world is celebrating and then they rise the third day and they ascend up to heaven, everyone starts going, wow, maybe God was right. Maybe the God they were preaching was right. Well, Satan doesn't want them and God to get the glory. So what he arranges is this. Notice with me in verse number three, uh, Revelation 13 in verse three. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after this beast. And the rest of Revelation 13, he keeps referring to this. This is event that's also covered somewhere else. What is this speaking about? Antichrist the person is assassinated and killed. Well, Satan says, this is a good time to robe myself in flesh. And so he wears the guy as a puppet. And it's no longer the Antichrist, the person. It is Antichrist who is Satan robed in flesh now. And he's doing it as a great imitator because now he has superpowers. Now he's a superhero. Now he has all these abilities that he didn't have before. And all the world wondered after the beast. Verse 4. And they worshiped the dragon, Satan, which gave power to the beast. What's going to happen is the Antichrist is going to say, let me tell you how I was able to rise from the dead. It was Satan. Satan gave me this great power. He may not call him Satan. He may call him this great dragon, some mysterious force, some whatever else. He's the one who raised me up. Oh, praise the one who rose me from the dead. And it's not God. It's going to be Satan that he's giving glory to. And people start saying, well, then his God must be real. Let's worship this God. And he is going to direct worship to Satan. And the Antichrist is going to love this. Verse 4, and they that worship the dragon gave power to the beast. And they that worship the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And this Antichrist now, who is now Satan robed in flesh, is going to have great magical powers. 
And anyone who tries to attack him, instant dies. Now, you go ahead and answer your favorite superhero from comic books and just imagine, all right? So, assassin starts coming, laser beams. Hey, he could see through walls. Woohoo, look, I could see the assassin coming. I mean, you just insert whatever it is. Use your divine imagination. We live in a colorful age. You know, he's going to be able to imitate those powers and people are like, ooh, wow. And they're going to be awed by him. And he's going to get a lot more followers because of this. And people are like, who is going to be able to make war with him? Now he's going to look like a great man of peace because no one can defeat him now. No one can assassinate him. No one can topple him. He is going to be the old powerful one. Notice as it goes on, verse number five. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. That's two and a, or three and a half years for those keeping track. And he opened his mouth of blasphemy against God and to blaspheme his name in the tabernacle and then that sat on it. Verse number six is speaking about an event that we've referred to before of the abomination of desolations. That when the temple is rebuilt, the Jewish temple is rebuilt in Jerusalem, the Antichrist is going to sit in the temple, declare himself to be God, and the Jewish people went, oops, we picked the wrong horse. We picked the wrong guy. This is, once again, speaking about this very big event, this abomination of desolations, where the Antichrist sits on the new throne uh, in the temple and declares himself to be God, and everyone should worship him. Verse 7, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And the power was given to him of all kinds of tongues and nations. So the Antichrist is going to attempt to try to wipe out all of the Hebrew people. But also remember that at this time that many people have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And those people who are saved are going to attempt to hide and flee and protect underground railroad the Jewish people. And so, guess who's going to get in the way? All of these Christians who got saved during this tribulation period. And there is going to be a massacre like you've never seen. There is going to be millions of people killed by the Antichrist. And anyone hiding Jewish people is going to be killed. Anyone who is not worshiping the beast, we'll see that a little bit later, is to be killed. It's going to be a great time. So much for a man of peace when he's killing everyone. Of course, Hitler was looked as a great man of peace. Stalin was looked as a great man of peace. And Stalin killed millions more people than Hitler did. All right, so go on. Let's see what it says. Verse 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. This Antichrist robed in flesh, uh, whose name was not written in the book of life of the life, (laughs) the book of the life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Meaning that All those people who have not accepted Christ as their savior, they're going to worship gladly and willingly Satan and the Antichrist. Verse 9, if any man have an ear, let him hear. Remember, whenever you see this phrase in the Bible, they're saying, what we just told you is very important. Make sure that you understand it. Pay attention to this. What are you supposed to pay attention to? Is your name written down in the book of life? Do you know for sure that you've accepted Christ as your Savior? Verse to him. He that ledeth captivity, captivity, um, captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I behold another beast coming out of the earth that had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. So we spoke about the dragon. We spoke about the beast. Now we're going to have what is called the false prophet. And 
Verse number 12, and he that exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him causeth the earth of them to dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doth make great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them by that that dwell on the earth by the means of the miracles that he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that should dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the uh, sword and did live. So let's catch you up on what's happening. In the tribulation period, not only are you going to have the Antichrist that comes to power, but you're also going to have a worldwide religion. Those coexist signs, they're building up to this. Now, right now, there are only two uh, major religions that are opposed to a one world religion. That is born again, Bible believing Christians and uh, fundamental Islamic. The, the Islamic people said there is only one God and Allah is his name and Muhammad is his prophet. They are very strict. Well, when the Christians are raptured out of here, they're not going to be a, opposed to a one world government. They're gone. And immediately after the rapture, when all the chaos is going on, the, according to the book of Ezekiel, all of the uh, Islamic people, Muslim people, are going to be knocked out of the way. Now there's no one to oppose a one world religion. By the way, this has been going on for a while. You go back to 1977, where the Pope had all of the world religions show up. They didn't invite the Baptist people, but they showed up everyone. They had the Dalai Lama, they had the Buddhists, they had whatever else. And they were all saying, we should all have one world. That was a big conference, 1977. Just recently, the new pope had everyone there and they were able to even get some chiclet um, Islamic prophet there as well. This is a big movement and this is something that everyone wants. They want everyone to coexist. All religions are the same. And what's going to happen in order to have peace in the world, let's get rid of this, uh, all these different religions. Let's all coexist and worship one thing. And they're going to work that in. Now, at the midpoint of the tribulation, what is going to happen is that a false prophet is going to come up who's going to be the leader of this one world religion. And this prophet is also going to be able to do miracles that will imitate the great prophets of the Bible Old Testament. Whether they rain down fire, they're able to bring plagues, they're able to do stuff. And he is going to do these great things. People are going to ooh and awe, and he's going to say, the one that we should worship is the Antichrist here. Everyone should worship him. You see his superpowers. You see how he was risen from the dead. This is the one we should worship. And everyone's going to go, okay. And they're going to worship the Antichrist. This is a big thing that he has set up the whole thing. Step by step by step. Why? Because Satan has always wanted everyone to worship him. And now he has set it up so everyone worships him. The one world religion was just the vehicle to get them to the place because now that they're all used to worshiping each, uh, one thing and everyone's on the same page, now we could direct who our real God is. That's the Antichrist. Everyone worship him. What's going to happen with this? Verse number 15, and he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast. So what they do in verse 14 is they build a little statue of the Antichrist. Verse number 15, they seem to make it come to life. Ooh, 
Now people are ooh and aahing. They have the statue that lives. And he had power to give life to the image of the beast. And the image of the beast should both speak and cause many as that would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So verse 15. Now if you don't worship in our one world religion, we're going to kill you. So much for coexisting. You worship what we tell you to worship or we kill you. That's what it all ends up to. It's never been about peace. It's never been about coexistence. It's always been about bringing to this place of control and you do what we say or else we kill you. Verse 16. And he causeth all, both great and small, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark of the right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man could buy or sell, save that he had the mark or save the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, for his number is six hundred, three score. Remember, a score is twenty, so three times twenty is six. Six, 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 six hundred. 66. His number is 666, which of course many people in pulp culture have understood and heard this. This is a, a normal thing. So what happens is that in order to worship, by the way, this is tied into the worship. You need to prove that you are going to worship this Antichrist who is great power, who's risen from the dead. You need to show that you're on his side and to prove it, you need to take this mark. We are now making a ban that if you don't have this mark, you can't buy or sell anything. You can't go to the grocery store. Now, remember before it was voluntary. Remember, it goes in stages, step by step by step by step. They had a voluntary program for years that people volunteer to take. Now it's mandatory. Everyone has to take this mark. Everyone has to do it or you're going to die. This is the proof that you are worshiping. You see, it was all about worship in the first place. And then, of course, those who do not take this mark will be killed because you won't worship this beast. And you can imagine what it's like when they capture Christians. You take this mark or die. That's a hard choice, isn't it? You take this mark or we kill you. And we're not just going to kill you. We're going to kill you in fantastical ways. You know, um, some other movies have reimagined this, whether it was the reverse guillotine, meaning not just the guillotine, bringing it back. By the way, did you know the last time the guillotine was used in France was the same year Star Wars came out? Yep. It's still fairly recent memory. Um, but some people have reimagined, you know, as a horror thing, let's put you upside down in the guillotine so you watch the blade come down. I mean, they may come up with something more inventive now. We've got better technology. Listen, you renounce your God and you worship the true God, this beast guy. You worship the Antichrist. All you have to do is take this mark in your body. I mean, why wouldn't you? You could go ahead and buy groceries for your family now. Why wouldn't you? No one would bother you as long as you have this mark. Why wouldn't you? And the people are going to have to make a choice to die or to take this mark. To die or to worship this false Christ. Again, so much for coexisting. And it's going to be a force. Why? Satan wants everyone to worship him. Either willingly or by force, he wants everyone to worship him. This is his whole goal the entire time. Now, this is a horrible period, but it is something that everyone should know. He that hath ears, let him hear. We need to have an understanding of what's going on because <laughs> there's no preparation for this. Remember that the tribulation period starts with no saved 
people. That means they didn't have people who have been saved for 30, 40 years. Anyone who's saved is barely, uh, fairly brand new Christians. So imagine that you've only been saved for six months. And now you have to make this choice. Does it become a little bit harder? This is a big deal. You say, preacher, what do we do about this now? If you're not saved, get saved. Then we just avoid this period altogether. But this is important. Now, why? Well, God is allowing Satan to have his rule. He's moved the Holy Spirit out. He's allowed uh, (laughs) Satan to have his attempt but he's going to fail. God is going to prove that he is going to be God. What happens? Well, let's just see the end of the book and see who wins. Revelation 20. Revelation 20, and notice with me in verse number 10. Revelation 20 and verse number 10. And the devil that deceived them were cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's where they're headed, to an awful place called hell. Satan is not ruling hell. He is going to be punished in hell. God is the ruler of hell. He's the one who owns it. And Satan's going to be punished there. This is a real thing. By the way, just for those curious about the end of the story, Satan requires everyone to worship him. And he's actually going to kill the, the false prophet and get rid of the one world religion and just say, just forget it, just worship me, period. Forget, and get rid of the middleman. So even the guy working for Satan is going to be wiped out because Satan doesn't want anyone to take away worship from him. Now this becomes a big deal. We see how big idea worship plays in the everyday life. You take this mark in order to worship Satan. Think about all the things that we do today that we think is common everyday things, but maybe out of worship. What do we watch? What do we listen to? What do we allow in our lives? What philosophies do we put in our life? Do they follow after Christ or do they not? Do they line up with what Christ desires or do they not? You see, that becomes the very big thing is what do we do with Christ? We either worship the Christ of the Bible. By the way, everything that we do in the Christian life should be out of worship. I go to church because of how I see God. I read my Bible every day or not based off of how I see God. It's all about how do I see him? The music that I listen to is because of how I see God. My obedience to biblical authority is based off of my worship of God. Everything that we do is based off of how I see him. Worship becomes a bigger factor in our everyday lives than what we think. What is worship, by the way? Worship comes from an old English word of worthship, carrying the idea of how we ascribe value to him. In my wallet, if I had money, I might have a $20 bill and a $1 bill. They look like they're made of the same thing, same shape. What makes one different than the other? Because of the value that's ascribed to it. Well, because of how I see God, because of how I ascribe value to him, this is how I respond to him because of that. If God is of low value, then I don't respond 
as well as I should. If I see him as great value, then it does affect the rest of my everyday life. It's all based of our worship of him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.